This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. The shift in influence of women in the workplace is well noticed by many, but even there, if there is still an issue of uh, equal pay, yet females have had greater control of the economy here in the U.S. than many people even realize. That's part of the theme of the book written by former Wall Street maven Sally Krocek, which is titled Own It, The Power of Women at Work. Sally's resume includes C-suite positions with Smith Barney, Merrill Lynch, and Citigroup. She's now the CEO of Elevest, which is a digital investing platform for women looking to close the gender gap in investing. And she also runs Elevate Network, which is a professional networking company. Sally, welcome. Hi, Dan. Happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, first, I, I guess I wanted to start with with Elevest to begin with. Uh, I mean, we've talked we talk about the gender pay gap, but there's a gender investing gap as well. There sure is, and it's funny. I spent my entire career in investing, and I never really thought about this gap. And then over the past couple of years. Uh, I had the aha moment that it's not just the gender pay gap that causes women to retire with two-thirds the money of men, and that's Caucasian women. For women of color or women with disabilities, the numbers are quite a bit less. And as I began to dig into what some of the reasons were for the that shortfall, it's that women also invest less than men do, and the result can cost your listeners hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of dollars over the course of their lives. Is it the decision to invest, or is it having the money, or is it a little bit of a combination of both? It is the fact that, in my opinion, um, the investing industry and Wall Street really are very male in nature, that the financial advisors are 86% male, their average age is their late 50s, early 60s, that the language of the industry is male. It's about beating the market, outperforming, picking the winners. It's war and sports analogies. Investing TV is, you think, CNBC, which I adore, is like NFL Sunday, and the industry symbol is a bull, so it's a phallic symbol. So in every way, the industry screams male, It's even more subtle things than that. The focus of the industry is on making more money. Women tend to say, okay, that's cool, but what I really want to do is start a business, buy a home, retire well, Mm -hmm. not simply make more money. Uh, You are, as you now list with your companies, with Elevest and Elevate Network and Entrepreneur Now, uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, how is that helping to shift kind of the landscape of the importance and the power that women have in the workplace? I think it is, it's everything. Um, Back in the day, if I wasn't happy with how much money I was making, or I didn't feel like the company that I was working for was treating me or women well, and that certainly was the case, because of course I started at Solomon Brothers on Wall Street, which was hardly a uh, friendly people environment, you know, I could go into my boss's office, ask for a raise. He could say no, and that I, I could go to another company with no information, or I could go home. Right. Today, I can walk into that meeting with information from, um, you know, any of a number of sites, whether it's GetRaised.com, Comparably, Hired, etc. So I know how much I should be making within reason. If I don't get paid as I'd like to, I can go to another company with lots of information from places like In Her Site or Glassdoor, et cetera, which will tell me about the culture and the parental leave policies 
of a company or I can start my own business. The cost of starting businesses has come down dramatically over the last decade, even over the last five years, such that, you know, it used to be I had to build a plant, hire a workforce, and advertise on one of the big three TV stations. Today, I can put up a website. I can, you know, host my information in the cloud. I can get the word out on social media. Everything has changed. Well, and, and just from that perspective alone, uh, that was something that really just wasn't available uh, if you go back 30, 35 years. And, and so yeah. just having that availability kind of opens so many more doors. It changes the field of play dramatically. And there's a reason that women are starting businesses at two times the rate of men. And by the way, the number one reason men start businesses is to make money. The number right. one reason women start businesses is to build and work at the company at which they want to for the meaning and purpose that they can bring to that work, the number four reason is money. So women hmm. are saying, this company doesn't fit me, and it's not meeting a need that I see out there, so I'm going to go out and do it my way. It's really very interesting. So how much of, of a shift is there already taking place to kind of meet those particular needs? Uh, because seemingly it feels like, from what you're saying and, and what you lay out in the book, that it, it may be very early on in the process and you still have a long way to go to kind of reach that point. Well, look, I think what we're seeing is the forces of feminism, um, which is really the forefront for so many professional women today, Given the election of last year, given the recognition that the advancement of women in business has stalled, so the force of feminism, this reawakening, and the forces of entrepreneurialism are combining right now, such that more women are seeing this as an option. Now, the venture capitalists don't get it. Women continue in this day and age, if you can believe it, to get a single-digit percent of venture capital dollars, despite the fact, despite the fact that research from first-round capital and outstanding venture capital firm says that um, companies, startups with women in a position of leadership have 63% better returns than those that are men only. Despite this, venture capital dollars are not flooding to women um, or to diverse teams. But in a way, in many ways it matters, in some ways, because the cost, we talked about the cost of technology coming down, the cost of advertising coming down, the cost of running space. You know, you can now use a WeWorks on a short-term basis. The cost of business travel, you don't have to do it. You can be on video conference instead. The cost of having an HR department, you can use a Zenefit. The infrastructure is there, and there are more and more angel uh, firms and funds that are investing behind women. Um, crowdfunding, women tend to outperform men on crowdfunding sites. Mm-hmm. So, so there are other ways that women are finding to fund these businesses that don't rely on the traditional venture capital route. Well, and you also bring up a couple of interesting points, not necessarily directly right in the uh, in the workplace, but the the, the fact that uh, the impact that women can have on on consumer uh, adoption of a variety of different elements, spending, invest, uh, investment, kind of the, the look ahead is very important. And you also bring up an interesting point, which I hadn't thought about before, is that I guess there is data starting to show up that the daughters of women that mm-hmm. work are, are seeing greater income as well. That's exactly right. And so many women ask me, well, what should I tell my daughter? And the answer is it's not what you tell her, it's what you show her. And if she sees the mother going to the workforce every day, advocating for herself, negotiating for herself, that rubs off. Right. Likewise, so many times I'm, I'm asked, what should I tell my daughter about managing her money or investing? 
And I say, just do it. You know, for her to see you on a Saturday afternoon working through, you know, your money, um, checking your account, et cetera, that, that, go, that goes a long, long way. So it's more like being a role model. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, then, and then for some women, they'll say, yeah, it's too late for me. I should have invested years ago. But right. You know, my, my marriage is strong. You say, gosh, I hope so. Good luck with that. Because, of course, he will die before you will. Men die sooner. Um, but even if not for you, even if not for you, for your daughters, because I'll, I'll say something. It's a little sparky, a little controversial. We'll have a few people call in. They'll, they'll feel sparky about it. That's great. <laughs> but, but I would say that women will not be equal with men until we are financially equal with men. And for the women right. who are listening out there, I think we all know, you know, you feel more confident going into your boss's office to ask for the new assignment. You feel better starting your new business if you have more money. You feel better leaving a personal relationship where he or she was so terrific five years ago but now is such a jerk if you have more money. And so until we are financially equal with men, we will not be fully equal with men. And investing is a good part of it. It's interesting you bring that up because I, I did want to touch on you know, the impact of – obviously, we still have a very high divorce rate uh, in, in this mm-hmm. country. And obviously, that play has to play in a little bit of a, a piece to this. Well, and that's tough because when men and women divorce, a man's standard of living today still rises by a double-digit percent of the woman's declines. And there was a recent article, I think, in the New York Times. This is a reason that women continue to work into their – well into their 60s and even their 70s. Some women work because they love it. Other women work because they have to. And so the impact of divorce, the impact of the death of a spouse because we live five, six, eight years longer than men can be devastating. Put another way, 90% of women manage their money on their own at some point in their lives, and still so many are ill-equipped to do it when, when that time comes. And that's a tough time to try to figure out your money. Oh, my husband is leaving me, or I'm leaving him, or he just passed away. Right. Very difficult time to try to figure out how to manage money. Our guest, Sally Krawcheck, uh, author of the book, Own It, The Power of Women at Work. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Again, if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, and we'll pass it along, bring it up on the show, either at Biz Radio, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Going back to something you said a, a couple of minutes ago, uh, and, and you relay, I think, a very interesting story. Uh, obviously, it, it, at the time, getting fired is, is not good for anybody, but still, mm-hmm. the, the fact that you went through a, an instance of when you're on Wall Street, and this was during the time of the financial crisis, it, it, you bringing up the idea of giving money back to people that mm-hmm. lost money and getting shot down and not even getting to talk to your bosses <laughs> about the idea. I, I, I mean, I, it's so interesting to see that story kind of play out. Yeah, funny in hindsight, not. Right, not yeah. Funny, yeah. Not funny. Yeah. Yeah, so, so look, I would not have suggested we do it if I thought, hey, it's one of those things. These folks bought equities. Everybody knows they can be risky. So be it. These were actually products that we had sold through Smith Barney. Um, that were marketed as low risk. And nobody was trying to do evil. People made mistakes. And these products that were supposed to be low risk actually were high risk, that were supposed to go down eight cents on the dollar, went down close to 100 cents on the dollar. And so I thought, okay, we've got one of two paths here. We can go down the typical path, which is, you know, 
tell the, you know, oops, oops, sorry, or not sorry, because the lawyers wouldn't let us say it. And now the clients will sue us and be angry at us, and it will last for years and years, and the company will be impaired as a result of it. Or we can do the right thing, in my point of view, and say, hey, we, we messed up. Um, the, the small print does say you could lose everything, so we'll partially reimburse you. We'll pay. We'll share the pain, and some of you still be angry, but you know we're trying to do the right thing here. And um, it was not well received at the company at the time. And and by the way, I might have been wrong, um, but you know I wanted to have a robust debate around this. I eventually won the day because the board became involved, and we did partially reimburse the clients. But given that my CEO was against this action, I lost my job. But the, the, um, and as I said, mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, but it, it, it's a thing that probably a lot of people, thousands of people around the country wish that conversation actually would have taken place. Well, that's what I was going to say. I might have been wrong. Um, but what is notable is I was the only executive to have partially reimbursed clients. And I don't think huh. there's any way we can argue that more of those conversations you know, wouldn't have been better. That was a double negative. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. We would all agree more of those conversations would have been a good thing, but there were not that many of them. And I would extend that comment then to say that more diversity on Wall Street, more disagreement, more debating, more hashing out, more people of difference, more women, more people who didn't have Ivy League backgrounds, right. more people who were pessimists as opposed to optimists, all those things would have been good. Indeed, that is the power of diversity. And Wall Street was not then, nor is it today, a diverse um, industry. Uh, there's a word that I want to bring up, and it's strategy. And mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about that you, obviously, when you're going through your career, you need to have a strategy. You need to have mm-hmm. a plan. How more important is that even now to have that? As we yeah. sit here in 2017, than even it was you know, three or four years ago. I don't know. Good luck with it. Good luck with it. I think you need to set a direction. And the movement in that direction should be to constantly look to learn and be open to new things. Because the business world, I don't have to tell you, we're on the Frank Morton Business Channel. The business world is changing dramatically. I have (laughs) friends, you know, in market. I mean, we talk about media, we talk about financial services, sure. But marketing marketing. Marketing three to five years ago was brand building. Today it is brand building and multi-touch attribution analysis. I mean, it is night and day different than what it was. And so, yeah, try to plan, but recognize things are changing very rapidly. I would say I think the riskiest thing you can do as a business person today is to try to play it too safe. That because things are changing, the only surefire losing strategy is to try to hunker down and stay where you are because the world will pass you by. 844-942-7866 844-942-7866 is the number. If you'd like to join in, our guest Sally Krawcheck is the author of the book, Own It, The Power of Women. We go to the phones in San Francisco. Gina is on the line. Gina, go ahead. Yeah, hi. I just have a comment for Sally and um, would like to just um, hear her feedback on this. I work for a large healthcare industry, and I was asked to take on a lead uh, project, be a lead for a project. And I had been working on the project for several months when I decided I was going to go in to my boss and ask for some, uh, ask for a raise. And when I did that and presented all my facts and figures to uh, him, he turned around and cautioned me to make sure that I wasn't making this opportunity all about money. And I found that to be um, <laughs> condescending. 
for one, mm-hmm. um, because I'm pretty sure he does not make his uh, <laughs> his request. Um, you know, I, I believe he probably has gone in and done the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on his uh, reaction to my uh, request. Yeah, what a, what a shame. Um, what a shame. You know, and part of what I talk about in the book is that the, is the recognition that we women are in traditional companies today with unenlightened managers really allowed to um, operate in a pretty narrow band of acceptable behaviors, right, where, you know, if you're not aggressive enough, you're too girly, you're not tough enough, and if you then take on some of those male characteristics of being tougher and negotiating toughly, you know, you sort of get a backlash for it, too. And so you end up in this band of not too hot, not too cold, all of which would might be okay, except that, um, you know, that band can shift and different managers can see things in different ways. What I loved about what you said is you, you went in and you were talking numbers with him. What, you know, you might, what I might suggest next time is a good time to have these conversations is before the projects begin. Um, walking in, knowing how much, um, you know, using some of the outside resources there, doing your homework, how much should this position be paid, Um, and then talking to your boss about, okay, what will success look like? And if you and I were to problem solve together for how to get me that next raise, you know, what is it that we both want to see? What is it that's good for the company? What is this good for the division? You know, what would you like to see from me? And sort of position it as, as we're solving this together, um, you know. And then I say the next thing is that if and when you're told no for a raise, um, ask for something else. You know, also broaden out the conversation for, okay, if it's not the money, then, you know, let's talk about some other things of value, um, you know, for both of us. And can it be, you know, you're leading this, you're on this great project. Is it the next great project? Is it an overseas assignment? Is it being mentored by the hotshot of the company? Is it taking a coding class outside the company? What are those other things that you can negotiate for that don't just come down to money that can help to, to advance you? Gina, thanks very much for the call. Uh, all the best to you. Uh, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Solly Krawcheck is our guest. She is the author of the book, Own It, The Power of Women at Work. 844-942-7866 is the number. You also talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the, the word failure is one that, that it, it, at times has a negative connotation in many senses it does, but at times it also has to be kind of a learning experience. It's a building experience, and that's one right. of the things you talk about as well. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation in business these days about how great failure is, but um, and it may be, really, it may be out on the West Coast, you know, with all the startups, and, and really maybe it is a badge of honor there. But I think in most other places, failure is failure. Yeah. And there's still a sense of embarrassment around it, and particularly for us females, the research has shown that whereas gentlemen are able to externalize failure, well, it was the environment and who could have been expected to be successful given this. For us as women, we internalize it. We tend to take it quite personally. We tend to be embarrassed by it. Um, my advice to everyone is let me promise you something. Nobody cares as much as you do. And let me promise you something else. Nobody's thinking about you as much as you are. 
Um, right. And that even when I was fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, you know, I was still amazed by people were like, hey, what are you up to? I'm like, you didn't see the frame budget from the Wall Street Journal because I think it was pretty clear what was going on there. Yeah. Um, so my advice is going to happen more because business is changing so quickly. Make it part of your story. Own it. Own it. Don't try to hide it. The world is too small these days. Um, too many people know each other. But make it part of your story. This is why I failed. This is what I learned. This is how I've grown. This is why I'm better. This is the risk I took. This is how I would do it differently. Um, and if you can go in with it part of your, you know, you as the hero of your saga, and that is a step along the way, um, I think you can turn it to a real advantage. Is that why networking is seemingly even more important now today than oh. it has been? Well, let's put it this way. Your next business opportunity is more likely, indeed, much more likely to come from a loose connection than a close connection. That you and the folks who you know in your company, you traffic in the same information. Because right. failure will happen more often, because firings will happen more often, you better have a diverse network that reaches far and wide. Um, and the other thing about a network it's not just, oh, I, I got fired, get me a job. It's also the information that it feeds to you. You need to be getting information far and wide these days about the startup, about the new project, about the new piece of research to keep you up to date on what's going on, um, because just hunkering in the halls of your company will not cut it any longer. Great to have you uh, joining us today, Sally. Thank you very much for your time. Great. Thanks. So glad to be part of it. You, got it. you got it. Sally Krawcheck. The book is Own It, The Power of Women at Work. Uh, it is available in bookstores and online now for uh, for you to purchase. Again, uh, the own it, the power of women at work. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.